Hi. Uh, welcome to Mind Gold episode 12 and happy Sunday. It's half past six in the morning um, and that's how you can tell that I still have a Kiwi accent. So I'm a little bit nervous about this episode. <laughs> uh, so as you know for the last few episodes I've either been with James or I've had a guest. Um, so you know there's been someone to banter with. And I was uh, supposed to have a guest on yesterday. Unfortunately, he couldn't make it. Um, he will be on the podcast in the next few weeks, though. So don't worry. Um, however, so I was just going to uh, leave it. But then I got a message from a guy called Jason. And Jason said, no pressure, but I really need a new episode by Tuesday. <laughs> uh, and I thought, well, you know what, Jason? I'm going to do my first solo episode just for you, mate. So, um, yeah, literally you're probably the only person listening to this, but I appreciate so much, um, your support and yeah, if I'm just going to do a massive solo overshare on here just for you, then so be it. So what I thought I would talk about today is I guess my story, um, and specifically focus on adversity that I've faced, um, albeit very first world. <laughs> um, because a lot of us are just normal people just trying to be a bit better at normal things, right? Like we don't all have these epic stories of um, hardship and struggle and overcoming these um, odds like David Goggins or people like that. And I love these stories because they're super inspirational but to a certain extent like how relevant are they to normal people like you or I and I think that actually being able to uh, find a positive in you know minor adversity um, that's how we grow so I'm basically going to tell my story of how I got to um, where I am today um, and I guess the positives that I've found out of negatives along the way now, it's taken me quite a long time to get to the point that I now automatically look for those positives. Um, and I really have been trying um, the last couple of years to really uh, focus on developing my self-awareness and hopefully recognize when I'm being a dick, um, trying to correct my behavior, behavior Sorry, so I'm less of a dick. Um, and it'd be great if everyone else could do that too, because Lord knows we need less dicks in the world. So yeah, this is basically just going to be about me. Um, so if that does not interest you, perhaps stop listening. Um, if you do want something else to listen to, I would recommend all the other podcasts, which are about other things. <laughs> and also there's a great podcast called The Weightlifting Life, um, which is very funny. So there you go. So yeah, I have lived in Melbourne for almost eight years. I'm from Auckland, New Zealand. I was born in 1986, which makes me 33 years old. Apparently the age Jesus got to, which might be irrelevant to most of you, but I was brought up very, very religious. Uh, my parents were super duper Christian. Um, and yeah, I guess like in retrospect, that did have a lot of influence over my upbringing. Um, people look at me now and I mean, if you don't know what I look like, you easily can because Instagram. However, if you don't, I'm like 
covered in tattoos. A lot of them are fairly satanic. <laughs> um, but so I don't look like the sort of person who was very, very religious until I was in my mid twenties, <laughs> but I was. And I think that's more a fact of being raised to believe in a certain thing and not having any reason to question it. I guess the same way that kids believe in Santa, which I was never taught to believe in, obviously, because Jesus. Um, and yeah, so most of my early life, I was fairly, um, I guess, I was fairly repressed, I suppose. I wasn't really allowed to do a lot of things that, like, what I perceived the normal kids to be doing, um, we weren't allowed to watch TV, all that kind of thing, um, and were brought up to believe, you know, gay people went to hell, if you don't believe in God, you go to hell, uh, sex was very taboo, something that wasn't discussed, um, and yeah, I guess I lived in a constant fear that I would inadvertently do something wrong and go to hell, <laughs> Um, and yeah, I guess that, that overshadowed a lot of my childhood and has, I guess, affected me as an adult today. Um, yeah. And in saying that, like, I'm not criticizing my parents at all for that. Um, they did the best that they could and they genuinely believed that that was the best way to raise a child. And I don't, I don't fault them or criticize them for that. Um, Lord knows if I ever had a kid, I'd probably fuck them up royally. So you know what? Uh, they did a good job. <laughs> I'm fine now. Um, yeah, so that was my childhood. Um, and I guess in a stereotypical manner, I went the fuck off the rails, um, having had that, um, restricted, uh, childhood somewhat. And that was, I guess, my first level of adversity that I, that I encountered. And even though, like, this was a situation that I completely got myself into, um, started, basically went out of my way to find the wrong crowd to, <laughs> to hang out with. It was by no means an accident. Nobody forced me into this lifestyle. Um, but when I was in my late teens, I, yeah, I started being a right piece of shit, <laughs> basically. Um, and it's pretty gross, the kind of things that I got up to. Um, uh, basically, uh, I started smoking ice. Um, and obviously that was kind of a progression of like starting to drink as a teenager, starting to smoke, smoke pot, you know, the whole gateway drug sort of situation. It's fairly true, I guess. Um, ended up meeting a guy at a party who introduced me to this drug and I've always been like an all or nothing sort of person. Um, I'm pretty much like prime addiction material. <laughs> like if I like something, I will want to do it all the fucking time. So that's basically what happened. Um, and if you don't know much about ice, that's a good thing because it's fucked. <laughs> but it's a really, a really fucking shitty drug and it really fucks you up in the head really badly. So I started smoking ice and um, was pretty much addicted to it within like, I guess, a couple of weeks. It was honestly crazy. Um, and then I pretty much my whole life just revolved around it. Like I met more people who were into it, kind of got involved in this whole little gross West Auckland scene <laughs> and um, got myself a real doozy of a boyfriend um, who in at the time I thought was like a super badass. 
he was uh, quite a lot older than me. Um, I would have been about 18 at the time and he was, I don't know, late 20s, early 30s, I think. I thought he was super badass. He used to say he'd been to jail, which I don't actually think was true, to be honest. But he talked a fair amount of shit. He actually didn't have a home. <laughs> All he did was kind of bludge off me um, and steal things. So yeah, I kind of got involved in this crowd who did stuff like that. Um, like a burn down houses for insurance and steel cars and all this kind of thing, which I wasn't really actively involved in myself, but I had this really weird loose as fuck moral compass. Um, and I just didn't really see it as something bad. It was odd, especially because I was raised, um, you know, with the 10 commandments and, um, all these really, really strict rules. It was just like I decided that I just did not give a fuck about anything anymore. It was bizarre. So I hung around with these these people for some time, uh, got like deeper and deeper into this whole kind of scene. Um, and yeah, I just think things things started going real downhill. So I did actually have a job at the time. I worked for a family uh, portraiture studio, <laughs> hilariously. Um, and my job was literally, um, the most mundane thing in the fucking world. So I would have to locate like a single negative on a roll of film, um, cut it out and stick it to a little cardboard frame, uh, for families who wanted reprints of their family portraits, 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 portraits. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is what happens when I, uh, talk by myself. So that was my job and I was just fairly obsessed with just smoking as much ice as I could. <laughs> um, and things got pretty bad. My, my boyfriend was fairly abusive um, and I don't know, I guess like I had no real comparison in terms of relationships and what was normal and what wasn't. Um, my first sexual relationship was when I was 15 with someone who was over 20 years older than me. Um, which weirdly I only just remembered the other day and I thought, well, that's fucked. <laughs> anyway, I had just zero idea of what was okay, what wasn't okay. Uh, so I guess I put up with a fair amount of like mistreatment from this dude. Um, but to be fair, I'd, I'd put myself in that situation anyway. <laughs> um, and I had a loving family. I had friends who gave a fuck about me and I could easily have, uh, yeah, just left that whole situation if I had wanted to. But I guess I've always found that um, I tend to flog dead horses quite extensively. And this was probably the first of many dead horses I've encountered in my life. <laughs> and that's not just referring to relationships, it's situations, it's jobs, it's basically anything that I get super fucking obsessed with. I'm just like literally all or nothing. Um, yeah, so I got into a pretty like negative headspace with this, this whole scene, this whole relationship. And that was namely, I mean, just due to how much the, the drug actually changes your brain chemistry. Um, you just start thinking some really dark, really violent things. Um, and that's certainly not what I'm normally like. Um, so it was quite scary how much it actually changes you. Um, a kind of horrible example of that is I remember having like an altercation with this girl that I was friends with at the time and I was so furious at some like slight that I felt <laughs> was her fault um, that I carried a brick around in my car just in case I saw her like what the fuck <laughs> 
And it just makes me feel sick to acknowledge that um, my mind could have been so twisted by this substance. It's just really crazy. So I guess, um, yeah, a lot of my negative headspace that I was in was due to that. Um, And also obviously my circumstances being like less than ideal. (laughs) So I ended up doing a bit of a tension seeking suicide attempt, which ended me in hospital. Um, And I guess this was a bit of like a wake up call that like I wasn't okay. Um, And yeah, um, I managed to like pull myself out of this whole situation remarkably. Um, I remember the day that it happened, I went around to my boyfriend's. Oh, because we were still together after all this, by the way. (laughs) Um, Dead horse, right? Um, Went around to my boyfriend's ex-girlfriend's place and she kind of pulled me aside and was like, you need to get the fuck away from this guy. Like he's a lunatic. He's an actual lunatic. Uh, told me how much he used to like physically abuse her and just told me some crazy shit that he'd done. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It was like a switch in my brain was just like, yeah, nah. And I, I pretty much just drove away. I left him in the middle of fucking... Riverhead, which is like an hour drive from the city, um, just dumped all this shit out on the driveway of his ex-girlfriend's house and was just like, yeah, nah, bye. And that's the last time I saw him. Um, yeah. And obviously the come down, uh, from that whole situation was horrific. Um, and I somehow managed to do it and I never went back to those people to that lifestyle it was weird it was just like I was done um it just took me a real long time (laughs) to realize that I was done and I ended up uh to distract myself um registering for a bachelor of fine art (laughs) obviously um and that took me the next four years and I guess um over that time, I kind of worked through some of this crap that was going on in my head through some really fucked up artwork. <laughs> a lot of it was based on religion and death and drugs and sex, and it was all just really weird. And I'm so glad that it's all been thrown away <laughs> now because it was really awful. Um, yeah, so that was how that kind of little adversity ended. Um, and I guess the positive that I can gain from that, I've only really realized today. And it's, I guess, if you can get through something like that, then there's so much more that you can overcome, right? Um, and yeah, I mean, I guess it's made me appreciate relationships which aren't like that. Which really, you should be able to do without experiencing that, let's be honest. But hey, some people have to learn the hard way. Uh, so I completed my Bachelor of Fine Art which, you know, now I've got a uh, massive student loan still in New Zealand and I literally do not use this qualification at all besides decorating things for people's engagements and birthday parties. (laughs) Um, So yeah, $40,000 well spent. However, um, it was a good distraction and it got me away from, I guess, that initial crisis, life crisis that I was in. Um, I soon realized, however, that being an artist doesn't really make you much money. So I started working at a tattoo shop as the receptionist. And that's why I look like what I look like, basically. Um, Tattoos was like another 
I guess, thing that I just went really hard on <laughs> for some time. Um, and now I just couldn't really give a fuck. And I just happened to now look like this forever. And that's really the only meaning behind that. Fuck, I hate when people ask what my tattoos mean. They just literally mean that I felt like getting a tattoo and I got a tattoo. That's all. Literally all. Um, feel free to read a deeper meaning into it if you want to, but I just really am not interested in that. <laughs> anyway, so I was working at a tattoo shop and I kind of felt like I needed that next challenge. And I guess I've always been of that mindset that I always need a goal. I always need something to strive for. And especially if it's something that I'm shit at, <laughs> that is like my biggest trigger. Um, if I'm shit at something, I have to be I have to overcome that. I have to try and be the opposite of shit at that thing, which I guess is now why I'm a weightlifter. Um, not saying that I'm good at it now, but I was fucking abysmal before. <laughs> anyway, so I had a housemate at the time and we would always take turns to cook for each other. And he would always tell me how terrible my contributions were, uh, which is valid because once I actually melted a plastic spatula into scrambled eggs and did not realize <laughs> so I was fucking awful at cooking anyway it just really riled me up that he would constantly give me grief and tell me how shit I was so I decided obviously I would become a chef <laughs> just to spite him um and I did I went to chef school I qualified as a chef and I started working as a basically as a kitchen bitch um and kind of worked my way up from there to sous chef soul charge of a restaurant in Auckland hated it it fucking sucked and I think that what I learned from this experience is like sucking at something and trying not to suck at it is one thing but if you don't have that fucking passion and that fire every day that you're like I fucking love this thing I want to be good at it more than anything else ever if you don't have that you're literally just trying to be good at something that you don't care about and I guess that's what I discovered with being a chef like I'd done it I'd proved my mate wrong <laughs> at great expense to myself um and like literally five years of my life are uh, wasted on spite <laughs> Um, but the good thing about this was that it gave me a trade that I could then move from Auckland to Melbourne uh, because the hospitality lifestyle lends itself to a similar lifestyle that I was in before I ended up going to art school and I embraced the fuck out of this also. So every weekend and often during the week a lot I would just like drink and smoke and take drugs and I had a fucking great time like I'm not gonna lie. Um, I had a really good group of friends um, and we all had fantastic times together doing all these things. So it was really nowhere near the like awful head fuck situation of the, the ice um, era. <laughs> but obviously it wasn't particularly healthy and I felt like I wasn't really going anywhere. Um, yeah, so I decided to move to Melbourne and I had never been here before. Um, I'd been to a, I'd been to Sydney once when I was like a teenager. I'd never been to Melbourne, but a friend, actually the same friend who um, I went to chef school to spite, <laughs> he had said um, you'd really fit in. And fuck knows what that means. I don't know if I do fit in here, but it was enough of a incentive. I just needed to get the fuck away and go do something else. Um, and I guess 
again, my parents really doubted that I would actually leave, that I would actually um, make the decision. So again, it was another spiteful, like, I'll fucking show you I'm moving to Australia. (laughs) So I did, I showed them and I'm still here almost eight years later. So I moved over here. Um, Luckily through the job that I was in in Auckland uh, landed me um, a chef to party job here. So I moved straight over with my like thousand (laughs) dollars, which at the time was like a substantial amount of money for me. Um, And I started working at this restaurant. Now this, the the chef that I worked for um, was just a fucking hard ass. um, And I hated it. I hated every second of it. And again, like I said, because I didn't have that intrinsic sort of drive and passion, um, I just felt like every, um, every critique, every slight against my skill was like a personal insult almost. Like I didn't take the feedback as like, this is good. This is going to make me better. I took it as, well, fuck you, do it yourself then. (laughs) And I think um, that's such an important lesson to learn. Like if you can't take feedback you're really not going to get much better. So I guess I kind of got to the point that I just stopped giving a fuck at all. I hated my job. I hated the hours. I hated food. I hated the people (laughs) who came in, the people that I worked with. I just fucking hated it. Um, So yeah, I ended up kind of doing the gradual. um, I was working at like a hatted restaurant, a fine dining, um, And that gradually went to, fuck this, I'm just going to work at a cafe. Which, not bagging anyone who works at a cafe. Um, But I guess from where I saw myself um, ending up in the industry, it was kind of a far stretch from that. So I worked at a cafe, um, pretty much hated that as well. (laughs) And um, at the time I was in a relationship um, with a guy who was fantastic um, and very supportive. And I guess because I was so used to having these really dysfunctional, um, relationships like the previous mentioned ones, um, it was, yeah, it was a nice change (laughs) to be with someone who actually gave a fuck about me and someone who actually really wanted me to succeed. And he actually helped to pay the rent. We lived together, by the way, helped to pay the rent whilst I um, pursued my newfound interest, which was fitness, hilariously. So basically during the time that I moved to Australia, I did like a full 180. Um, I stopped drinking. I stopped smoking. Oh, because I smoked cigarettes for like 10 years. Fuck, I loved smoking, by the way. God, it's good. Um, can't afford it now though. Man, cigarettes are like 30 bucks a packet. Ridiculous. Anyway. Uh, so I stopped smoking, stopped drinking, stopped taking drugs, um, tried to eat healthier and started going to the gym. Now, hilariously, I had a personal trainer and she was basically like the, um, the opposite of what I wanted to be as a trainer. And as awful as she was, and I don't even care if she's listening to this because mate, you are fucking terrible. Like the sort of stuff that she would tell me. Um, it's just completely at odds with anything that I would tell any of my clients now. Uh, so I remember one of our sessions, she actually grabbed my stomach and told me that if I wanted to get rid of all of this, I should stop eating bread. Um, and I can't imagine ever doing that to anyone. I just, it was fucked. Um, and she would tell me that all she ate was broccoli with lemon juice, 
Um, she just made me feel like this incredible sense of guilt and shame around what I was eating. Um, and yeah, she's bloody awful, but she actually was kind of an inspiration to me to be like, you know what? I don't want to be someone like that. I don't want to be like putting out this fucking really unrealistic message to people like that I'm perfect and that everyone needs to restrict the fuck out of everything they do and make their life bloody miserable. Right. So in a way, I guess like she was like training with her was a good thing because it made me realize what I didn't want to be like. And I really hope that I'm not like that today. Um, I started training with her and I was like, I can, I can, I can do this better. Uh, so yeah, I got obsessed with becoming a personal trainer. And as I said, my partner at the time, very supportive. Um, cause I had to study, uh, go, go, go to fitness school and do, do my cert three and four for six months whilst still working as a chef. But then the, the more challenging part was the transition from being full-time chef to full-time fitness. Um, and he very kindly, um, and very grateful to him for this paid the rent, whilst I made this transition over like a couple of months to getting a job at a gym and kind of building up my clients and building up my hours. We're no longer in contact, but I'll always be grateful to him for that because that's probably the nicest thing anyone in a relationship has ever done for me. So that was incredible. Um, yeah, unfortunately that relationship didn't work out. Um, how, however, we did get married. Um, <laughs> I am still married to him. Um, because divorce just seems like an ordeal, <laughs> especially when you got married in another country and I just don't even know how to go about that, sorting that out. Anyway, it's fine. Um, so the relationship didn't work out. Um, however, the positive that came from that was that I guess I was very, I felt, ended up feeling very unvalidated and unhappy in this relationship and I just became obsessed with training um, and I actually ended up getting hit by a car along this, my little fitness journey. Um, and through that I discovered CrossFit. <laughs> uh, so what happened was I was riding my bike. I got hit by a car, ended up going to hospital. I fucked up my knee. Um, and because I was just so hell bent on continuing training. And I think I would have been probably squatting maybe 50 kilos back then. And I don't think I could even do like a full pull up. So I wasn't particularly good, but I was like obsessed with it. Right. And, um, I kept training despite the fact that I'd injured myself and, and this stupidity <laughs> led to, uh, me fucking my knee up quite badly. And I thought, you know, what's going to help this CrossFit. <laughs> so I went to the local CrossFit gym I talked to the owner and I was like, hey, my knee's fucked. Can I start training here? And he was like, you know what? No, um, you're going to go see our physio. So he had a physio practice upstairs from the gym, which I now work at actually, the, the, the gym, not the physio. Um, and he sent me up there to be assessed by the physio who gave me a whole bunch of, basically my glutes were weak as fuck. Um, my knee had been taking all of the load for all of the dumb shit I was doing since my injury and I just needed to be a whole bunch stronger. So he gave me a whole bunch of rehab exercises and I started training at my first CrossFit gym and became fucking obsessed with CrossFit, like next level. I was such a wanker. Oh my God. It was literally what I lived for. 
Um, and this, according to my ex, led to a breakdown in our relationship because I was just so fucking obsessed with CrossFit, which in retrospect is fair. Um, however, at the time, I just felt like nothing was really going right in the relationship, so I may as well rather be at the gym. Um, and that's basically just what happened. So I ended up deciding I wanted to become a CrossFit coach, doing my level one and going to another gym to work because uh, there wasn't really an opportunity at the one that I was originally at for an internship. Um, yeah. And then I basically just fell in love with the second gym. I was like next level obsessed. And I think it was, um, probably the week that I had split up with my partner, um, that I went in and was like, I want to coach CrossFit. I'll do it for free. I don't give a fuck. Um, I just want to do CrossFit and train CrossFit and learn CrossFit and just be like the biggest CrossFit wanker in the world. And they were like, well, sure. <laughs> and yeah, that was pretty much my home for like the next two years. Um, and yeah, I coached, I trained, I basically just fucking lived there. Um, and I guess in, in retrospect, like, because my family are all back home and I didn't really have many friends here and obviously having just split with my partner moving out by myself, I guess I kind of needed like a replacement sort of family, like a surrogate family. And that was what I found. Um, and this place was, I just felt at home. I felt comfortable. I felt supported. Um, and yeah that was the next two years of my life. <clears throat> um, yeah, unfortunately I did the whole dead horse thing again with this place. <laughs> um, and left basically because of that. I think one thing I've learned from that whole situation is kind of quitting while you're ahead. And I've just been like really fucking slow to give up on things in the past. Um, just keep, just keeping thinking, no, it'll change. No, it'll get better. But you know what, sometimes you just have to accept that something's not going to get better and that you're the only person that can make the change and that change is normally you leaving. <laughs> um, so yeah, I was in a bit of a toxic relationship at the time, which I'm not really going to go into. Um, however, this ended up being the fucking best thing that could have happened because the breakdown of this relationship caused me to be like, I need to get the fuck out of this place. I need to find somewhere else to train. And one of my best friends is a very amazing weightlifter, um, current national champion in her weight class, actually. And she had been very encouraging of me, um, I guess, exploring weightlifting more as an option. Um, and that had always been like one of my biggest um, struggles with CrossFit. Like I'd never been particularly well, I'd been fucking awful at weightlifting. Um, just really slow to pick up the technique. And it's, if you've never done it before, like it's a very specific strength. Like you might be able to squat a hundred kilos, but, um, your snatch can still be rubbish. <coughs> it's very thirsty work doing this on your own. Um, yeah, so I was very slow in the uptake of the technique, not particularly strong. Um, and so she was very encouraging and very supportive and would give me little like one-on-one -on -one sessions with her and suggested that I may want to try just doing weightlifting. And at the time I like couldn't imagine that, like so used to running around half naked with my rig out, 
fucking, you know, look at me. <laughs> Ridiculous behavior. And I guess the whole weightlifting world seemed kind of the opposite of that. You know what I mean? Um, so I guess I was a bit terrified of that. But when I had this whole um, relationship breakdown and that was, I guess, the trigger for me to find another place to train, I was like, you know what, I'm going to fucking give it a go. So left the gym and started training at just a weightlifting club. Um, yeah, where everyone keeps their clothes on. <laughs> Everyone's fucking unfit. All everyone wants to do is sit the fuck down and probably eat something. So it was completely opposite of what I was used to. Um, and it took me a really long time to adapt to this different style of training. Um, the different, like, I guess, community is, yeah. Um, but I fucking fell in love with it. And I think even, even more so than with CrossFit, um, because what I really loved about it and what I still obviously love about it is the level of discipline, the level of commitment. And, um, I mean, although it's been like a hard adjustment, like I feel that falling in love with the process of becoming better rather than focusing on the outcome itself has been like a massive game changer for me mentally. And I guess it's led me to think of other things in my life similarly, like my job, like relationships, um, that it's not about this instant gratification. It's about building something. It's about... Um, enjoying the journey uh, rather than the end goal so I guess now like I don't really have an end goal um, and I, ha I have a medium goal my medium goal is to qualify for nationals um, so to qualify for nationals I need a 147 kilo total um, my best total so far is 129 kilos <laughs> so we're a ways off but but that's okay because there's so much that I love about the sport and just being a part of it. And like, I don't want it to end. I don't want to get to the point that I've qualified for nationals and be like, well, that's me done. Like I want to qualify for nationals more than once. Like I love this. It's, it's such a part of my life now. And I think that it's, it's become a part of my life in a different way. Like I don't feel that I'm filling some sort of void by training. I don't feel like weightlifting is the most important thing in my life anymore. I feel that the relationships that I have with people are a lot more fulfilling because um, I can genuinely enjoy the journey and I can genuinely enjoy the process of them. Um, and I feel that weightlifting has, has, has learnt, it's learnt me, fucking hell. It's, <laughs> it's taught me so much about like everything in life, I think. Like it's incredible. Um, and like my job, for example, so... I, I do work. I failed to mention that. It is a really important part of my life, actually. Um, so between kind of ditching CrossFit um, and discovering weightlifting, I got a full-time job in the fitness industry, which has taken me five years to get. <laughs> um, and so now I'm part, I'm part of the management team um, for like a council-run gym facility and um, I basically am in charge of creating programs that help people get fitter, help people get stronger, um, and I guess build that kind of positive gym community, which I've learned has been an absolute fucking life-changing experience for me in discovering my community. Um, and so I guess I wanted to bring that to other people, really. So it's been, it's been really cool that like all of these negative things in my life 
uh, have led to me kind of discovering what I want to do. Um, however, I don't think that I'm at all at like the end in terms of I've got the job I want. I've got, I'm where I want in my, I'm, I'm where I want to be in my sport. It's more like, I think I'm on the right path, but I don't really have a specific goal in terms of where that path's going to take me. And I guess it's about being open to the opportunities that may come along because none of the things that have happened have really like fallen into my lap. Um, and I don't really believe that that's a thing. <laughs> I think that if you want something, then you have to go the fuck out there and you have to make it happen for yourself. And whether that's a job or whether that's a sport, or whether that's a relationship, no matter what it is, like, you sitting there and hoping that it happens, um, it's, yeah, really gonna do fuck all, so I guess that's what I've learned, and I've always been one to make things happen, um, if I like someone, I'll fucking tell them that I like them, if I, you know, if I apply for a job, I'm the person who is calling them the next day, to tell them that I really want to work there. And I guess that's the only way that I have got any of the opportunities um, that I have. And yeah, I just guess being an annoying cunt is one of my, <laughs> my best personality traits, basically. Couldn't get through the whole episode without saying that word, could I? No. Um, yeah, so I guess that's my mind gold uh, so far. And as I said, I'm 33 years old and I'm fucking excited um, because I feel like my life has only kind of really just started and I feel like there's going to be so many more amazing things that happen um, and whether they're a good thing or a bad thing, um, I don't really believe that it matters because all this shit adds up to the person um, that you are today, I guess. Um yeah, so I don't know. I don't know if that was supposed to be inspiring or just like a massive overshare. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone who listens to this podcast actually really knows much about me. Um, so now you know probably way more than you ever wanted to. <laughs> um, and yeah, that's my Sunday morning massive fucking overshare for Jason. <laughs> So yeah, I do have some topics that I'd really like to get into over the next um, few months of the podcast and I do have some like really cool guests lined up. However, I'm always interested um, to hear what you guys want to hear about. Um, anyone you can suggest me getting in touch with and getting them on here for a chat because I don't know how many of these I can do on my own. Like I had to stop in the middle there and have a drink of water. Like I think my voice sounds real croaky. I'm so sorry about that. But yeah, um, so take what you want from that or just now you know too much about me. So well done. Um, I hope you will continue to listen and I hope you have a fucking excellent day that is full of mind gold. Bye.